Welcome into the Who Day Den, episode 100-something, and I am joined by a very close to the video, Jake. Welcome back. Good Who to day. have you. Who Day. Who Day, the excitement level. Always at the top of the uh, range there. And, you know, I had to talk uh, Turner and Battle by myself, uh, rounds two and three selections for the Bengals, but hopefully you bring some insight into these guys, rounds four, five, six, seven, it was um it was a stressful Saturday for me. I had some uh, some my eyes on some guys that we didn't get, but um, Saturday was interesting. Saturday was interesting, definitely. I'm gonna, and, don't worry about me. I'm going to bring the heat. I've got the heat. also the uh, pronunciation that we've been yes, searching for here on Google, and I think we found it. But yeah, I'll let apologies you handle, if we. I'll let you handle that one. Um, and so re- you know, hopefully everybody listening has already listened to the last two episodes. We talked a little bit more about Miles Murphy in round one. Check that one out, and then. I talked DJ Turner and Jordan Battle, rounds two and three selections. So defensive heavy the first couple days. Then on Saturday, we see the offense get some attention. And it started Callahan in round... was getting a little... Uh, he was feeling a little left out Saturday. He did. Yeah. He did. Um, but, but we got him involved. And it started in round four, pick number, what, 131 overall. Charlie Jones out of Purdue, and I will say uh, he is a uh, what is that? Um, what's that Shaq meme? I'm going to Google it real quick. I was not familiar uh, with your game. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Not familiar with your game, and I will say um, he says I owe you an apology. I wasn't really familiar with your game, uh, and that is me with Charlie Jones. So originally, Charlie Jones, 5'11", 175, wide receiver out of Purdue. I was. I didn't know anything about the guy beforehand, but I was I was immediately drawn to his age. He'll be like 25 years old in October, which I know for wide receivers, age isn't that big of a deal. But there's like 21 year olds. That I feel like you could have taken a stab on in hopes that they like accelerate and progress in their skill set. Whereas a 25 year old, he is what he is at this point. And um, so that was my first indication. I didn't say like, man, I hate this pick. It was more just like we just took like a guy who's going to be 25 in his rookie season. Um, but let me say, I was unfamiliar with his game because now <laughs> I am seeing things uh, that lead me to believe this is a, a good pick. And ESPN had him noted as a savvy route runner, mm. um, gets in and out of breaks without gearing down, adept at beating the zone, soft, reliable hands, blah, 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 blah. So uh, he was rated as their 13th overall wide receiver. Um, I will say like there's maybe some other receivers I thought we would take above him. Tyler Scott out of UC, uh, was one I was all over. Um, who was that guy, uh, out of man, who's that other guy, uh, Parker Washington. I really liked him, but uh, apparently yeah. I was the only one that liked him. Cause I'm pretty sure he went like two he rounds later. He, yeah. <laughs> so I guess I'm not a talent evaluator, but Charlie Jones, um, what are your thoughts on Charlie Jones? The selection, um, just in general, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to give me your, your, your five page, uh, recap of it, but I know you've gone, you've gone deep into all these guys, but pause. Uh, as, as you know, I'm a, a deep, deep dive guy. So I, when, when they announced him, I, I knew exactly who they were talking about. Didn't, didn't have to Google him right away. Slash click the little ESPN link to see who he was. Yes. Um, but I, I was trying to see the bright side, and I know you and I were chatting kind of right after they took him, and uh, I obviously we were both reading up on him, so it was just um, trying to figure out who he was and what he's all about. But I think he's going to fit in well 
as a like an immediate wide receiver for obviously the punt returner they've talked about all those things but everything that i've seen about him i i've liked besides the age i think which you've noted but uh the fact that he has outside experience inside experience um he's reliable uh when they talked about his punt returning and that he's you know he's always going to catch the ball uh he's going to make a quick move um I was immediately thinking that's that's an upgrade over Trent Taylor. As much as I hate to say it, mm. I just I every time Trent catches a punt, I I hold my breath. Well, I think like the bar was so low because we were used to uh, Alex Erickson, and so then when are going you speaking Trent, ill on Alex Erickson? I certainly am. <laughs> then going to Trent Taylor, I felt like there was maybe just like well, actually, let's back up. Before Alex Erickson, wasn't it Darius Phillips or was it Alex Erickson and then Darius Phillips? Whoever it was, whatever order, Alex Erickson never really did anything to impress me. And Darius Phillips uh, owes us the San Francisco game. So, um, (laughs) yeah, couldn't couldn't get on board with him after that. And so I think the bar was so low that Trent Taylor returning punts was like, yeah, just as long as you hold on to the ball like and move forward. I'm cool Mm -hmm. with it. Um, Very low. I don't think we've had anyone since Pac-Man that really. uh... Peter Warwick, baby. Was Peter Warwick? Well, Peter Warwick, of of course. But in the interim, we had Pac Man, who they throw back there, and you at least thought, okay, maybe he's got a shot at doing something. It seems like this guy, Charlie, could could be a guy that gives us a little spark back there, um, and if nothing else, is at least going to reliably catch the ball and hold on to it. And then I do want to spend a little bit of time on round five before we kind of lump together kind of round six and seven. But round five was where we attacked the running back position. And I will say, I think what surprised me a little bit was round three, we took uh, Jordan Battle and there were some running backs still on the board at that time. Roshan Johnson, notably out of Texas, had been one that uh, maybe just from the fan perspective, I don't know, you know, if other like actual experts had him linked to the Bengals, but fans were all about Roshan Johnson. Uh, Israel Banacanda was still out there. We didn't take him in the third round. Uh, by the time we get up in the fourth round, before we get to Charlie Jones, uh, Roshan had come off the board, but still some other running backs still available. As mentioned, the aforementioned Israel Banacanda out of Pittsburgh, who had a little bit of juice to him. And we decided to pass and go with Charlie Jones when we get to the fifth round, you're getting into some less appetizing running back options. And I actually feel like we got away with probably the best available option um, at the running back position in Chase Brown out of Illinois, 5'10", 209. So he's got pretty like prototypical size for a workhorse. And that's exactly what he was in college, handled tons of carries at Illinois. Uh, ESPN had him noted as an efficient runner, patience and um, runs hard, powers through arm tackles, has big hands, looks the ball in and flashes after the catch. Man, I would to hope that like if there was a write-up about me, it would say more than just like looks the ball in. Um, that seems pretty basic. But anyways, uh, Chase Brown, I feel like the, the production was there. Um, and I had only clipped out, or I had only tweeted out one clip of him a couple days before the draft and said, I'm intrigued because that was really the first I had looked into him because I really thought, we were going to get someone maybe round two, three, definitely four. Um, so I wasn't looking at these later guys, but I'd been a little bit familiar with Chase Brown. And then the more I looked into him, um, I would say I was pretty impressed with 
what we are getting considering where we got him. And so I'm going to, I'm going to fire off some um, stats just from last season for him. Uh, He had 23 runs of 15 plus yards, 935 yards after contact, 83 missed tackles forced, which I think was second behind Bijan. Only had one drop on his 27 catches last year, at least 20 touches in all 12 of his games. Um, Four pressures allowed and 99 pass block opportunities. So um, I did have somebody say that he didn't really face elite competition, uh, which was not true. I had to go look that up. But, I mean, he faced Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa, all top 12 in rush defense in the country last year. He went for 140, 129, and 146 against those teams. So he had good competition, played in the Big Ten, wasn't necessarily on a great offense, but uh, definitely handled tons of touches and was productive with those. What are your thoughts on landing a guy like Chase Brown, who I will say probably wasn't from our conversations pre-draft on our radar, um, maybe wasn't what we were looking for necessarily in a a back to come into Cincinnati and offer something different. But um, what what are your thoughts on CB? Yeah, I think uh, you said it. It was kind of the theme of the draft. It felt like just they didn't exactly do what we as fans kind of corporately expected them to do. So, they should have just put a Twitter poll out and then just take the highest <laughs> vote and then. I'm glad they didn't because I I really am excited about the guys that they've got yeah. and in the the seeming direction that they're uh, heading in, but uh, I did remember your tweet. I I said that to you. I said I think you were uh, interested in this guy, weren't you? And you said intrigued. yeah, I was intrigued. I was you were intrigued. intrigued. So uh, I'm excited. I I think he he seems like a guy that. Uh, is going to be an upgrade to P. Ryan, as much as I hate to say it, but we all love Samaje. But um, I, I do. I think he's going to be a guy that can come in on third downs, uh, be a reliable pass catcher. Um, I guess it remains to be seen, uh, the pass blocking skills, but uh, hopefully he's a guy that's just willing to stick his nose in there and help give Joe a little extra time. Um, but I'm excited about him. I, I do think uh, – it seems like we're probably in for one more season of Joe, just yeah. given what, what we've seen with the draft and, and free agency, the way that all shook out. Um, I contemplating having, I contemplated having a whole section on, on Joe Mixon. And then I just decided I didn't really feel you didn't like want to, I didn't really feel like it because I don't know. I don't know what percentage of the listeners here are involved in Bengals Twitter. And so if you're not involved in Bengals Twitter, you don't understand the war that has taken place this offseason around Joe Mixon. Um, but I was like, yeah, th- just to just to reiterate, the thinking was Joe Mixon was inefficient last year and is making a lot of money for a position that does not warrant a ton of money in today's day and age. So it would make sense to either renegotiate a contract or if he didn't want to um, cut our ties and save some money. However, like you said, as the offseason went on, you lost P. Ryan. I think if you would have kept P. Ryan, I really think we would have cut Mixon after the draft. Um, but we lost P. Ryan, and you're, I don't think you're going to go into the season with a fifth-round rookie and Travion Williams as your two running backs. There's just too much. I think the Bengals enjoy uh, continuity, certainty, guys that they can just rely on being solid, if unspectacular, at least solid, um, and you wouldn't have that with two guys in Travion and, and Chase. So Mixon's here to stay. It seems like, and then the longer we go into the off season, 
it kind of feels like the less it matters, his cap hit, like it's, it is what it is at this point, unless we are going to use that money to actually do something. Um, it's still a poor allocation of resources, but unless you're going to reallocate them elsewhere, it doesn't matter. But that's all I really want to say on Mixon. But I, I think the thing with Chase Brown was he didn't necessarily, I mean, if you look at his, uh, his like combine numbers, he was like pretty, his explosion uh, grade for like his vertical and broad jump graded out as elite and his speed grade was great for like his 40 yard dash. He ran a four, four, three. Uh, this says unofficial, whatever. Um, so he, he was fast, but like, he doesn't look like the kind of guys that I really thought we were going to get, which was like the Abana Candace or before we knew about the injuries, the Ty J spheres or those guys that were like electric chase Brown is more of like a workhorse. And um, to me, that feels less like a Joe Mixon compliment and more like a Joe Mixon replacement for next year or, you know, the next season, 2024. Uh, so that threw me off a little bit, but I will say for a guy that I hadn't done a ton of pre-work on, I'm, I'm pretty excited that we were able to get him in the fifth round. Yeah, I think it's a good get. And uh, it is interesting just to think about the sliding doors moment potentially down the road, because it, it's pretty clear that they went after Samaje. Uh, immediately to resign, and for whatever reason, he just felt like he was going to get a better shot in Denver, being being the go to guy. So we, we miss out on that, and uh, I think then it became kind of clear over time that we're sticking with Joe. And so I think because of that, we probably end up with a dude like Jordan Battle, or what did I just call him? Is that his name? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I came out so confidently, and then I was like, wait, what's that? Was well, I was right? blinking on uh, Turner earlier. And I was like, DJ? Is it DJ? Does that sound right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a bunch of DJs now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think if they re-sign Samaje, then we probably go running back in the second or third. And then we're just talking about a completely different uh, draft at that point. So it'll be interesting over the next couple of years to see how DJ and, and battle uh, age and progress in the defense. But I'm excited about both those guys, so. Yeah, and um, I had also seen some concerns around, uh, which on paper, I think you look at it and like you look at the fumbles for Chase Brown and say like that can't, you know, happen at the next level. But really, he only had, I think he had nine fumbles in his career or something. Last year, he had five of them. But like I said, he was an absolute workhorse. So he had five fumbles on 329 carries. So that was a fumble every 65 carries. And if you looked at Samaj P. Ryan, I'm pretty sure P. Ryan had like less than 100 carries last year. Um, and I would assume that they're going to give Chase Brown more than what they gave P. Ryan because uh, that's just my my inkling. But even if you gave him 120, 130 carries and he kept you know the same pace, this is all just projecting. That's like two fumbles. It's not like anything where you're looking at this guy has a severe fumbling problem necessarily. So I think that was like the main thing people were concerned about maybe that I just don't think it was a big deal. Then we get to round six and uh, you know, because we did the trade with the Kansas city chiefs, which I do not like trading with a team that is a rival, but we did it. We ended up with two picks in the sixth round and uh, pick number 206. We double dipped at wide receiver, which I, thought running back would have been we were double dipped but when we waited until round five to tap into chase brown it it was pretty slim pickings at running back position anyways by that point so instead we go back to the wide receiver well and uh what's his name yosivash yes yosivash i think 
<laughs> that's think? according to uh, Google. Yeah, big guy out of Princeton, and um, we that we had met with him pre-draft. Anyways, there's a lot of uh, smoke around the Bengals having interest in him. Big dude, six three two zero five, and the word I can't ever pronounce that they kept talking about on the draft. Like he competes in those events where, instead of a decathlon where there's ten, there's seven. Like a heptathlete, hepthon, hepathon. He's a heptathlete. Yeah, he's one of those. Um, so an absolute athlete and a smart guy and a smart guy out of Princeton. Um, but I don't think he projects as somebody that's going to be heavily used as a rookie. I mean, he's in the sixth round, so you wouldn't expect that anyways. But interesting selection nonetheless. I guess I see the upside there. And then with the last pick of the sixth round, the one we got from the Chiefs, ironically, got them got the pick from the Chiefs and used it on a punter, which was a key part in the loss to the Chiefs last year. Brad Robbins out of Michigan. Um, let's see, he said he finished with the second best career punting average and single season average in Michigan history. He's a can hold on place kicks. He had some pretty good hang time from what I saw, which was an issue with Chrisman. Hang time uh, I, and avoided touchbacks. Yeah. Um, I will say if if he doesn't just outright win that punting battle, I mean, I think he's gonna be the favorite. If it's even a competition, we've got a problem um on our hands because I don't think you can go into it with Chrisman. No. Uh, as your puncher next year. So hopefully we're looking at a starter that we got at the last pick of the sixth round in Brad Robbins. And then in the seventh round, uh, you know, will will the players here make make the team or not? Who knows? But we went DJ Ivy, another cornerback, some more depth out of Miami. Um, not going to spend a whole lot of time scouting him. No disrespect, DJ Ivy. Just want to get onto some other topics. So that was kind of where we were for the last day of the draft. Obviously, the Bengals kind of spent the first couple of days targeting defense. Uh, rounds four, five, and six went wide receiver, running back, and then um, got the punter and the cornerback in for the depth in the seventh round. Um, overall, I, th- I mean, I know I'm a Bengals fan, obviously, but I felt pretty good about the draft, even though they really didn't take anybody that I thought they would take, except for DJ Turner was the one I thought we would get round to. I actually thought, like I had said before, I thought he could sneak into the end of round one, depending on how things went. Um, but we ended up getting him in round two. Um, I want to get your, your, I was going to do like a whole segment, but I don't know if I have that many questions, like a superlatives type of thing as it relates to the NFL draft. Um, what was your favorite pick of the draft? And I'm going to let you go whatever direction you want with this. It could be, because you like the player, because you like the value, because you like uh, the way his face looks, because you like his name, uh, Yoshivash, uh, whatever it is, your favorite pick for the Bengals in the draft. Gosh, this is tough. I know. Because I really did. I, I obviously, like we mentioned, uh, had to do some research a couple of times because I was not expecting some of the guys. Um I do like battle for the name. Is that the Knicks game I see in the reflection of your window? No, it's uh, it's playoff hockey. Oh, I thought Dallas it was like and basketball. Seattle. Uh, I have Kyle Lowry over on the uh, points, so I was just curious. Okay, carry on. Sorry. No, no, it's a, I think that's a good bet with Jimmy B. That's what I thought too, tonight. but it wasn't wasn't looking so good. Oh man, yeah. there's only a minute left in the fourth, and uh, for those interested at home. I took the over on Kyle Lowry, 13 and a half points. And with a minute left, he has six points. So <laughs> overtime. No, they're down. I mean, maybe they're down six. Man, 
I mean, I didn't know to bet the the Caleb Martin 22-point game was coming, so. Who knew? Sorry, carry on, carry on. Jordan Battle, you like the name. No, I love the name. Um, and I think we had an idea they, that they would – I think we had talked pre-draft. I think we had an idea that they would go D-line and corner. So although I like the picks, uh, they weren't necessarily surprised. But Charlie Jones was a surprise, and I'm excited about that one. Um, just to see how he develops this year, and then can he be the guy that takes over for for Tyler after the season, or or do we go fishing again next off season? Yeah, I I thought really hard about this question. I don't know what direction I want to go because I think the argument in round one could be you went best player available for a guy that you didn't expect to be there that can obviously have an impact as a rookie. You could make the argument in round two that you got really key depth there, especially with it not knowing exactly how Ouzier is going to uh, play to start the season coming off the injury. Will he be here next year? That could be a really key piece. Um, and then I thought Chase Brown in round five could be my favorite pick just because I like running back position and you know I'm intrigued by that. I think, though, my selection, if I had to pick one, I'm going to go DJ Turner in round two as my favorite pick. Are you saying that because uh, you picked him? Yes. Yeah, I now have an <laughs> emotional tie to him uh, as well. But I think like just the speed that he brings, the, the athleticism that he brings, he's a guy that sort of like Cam Taylor Britt last year, I feel like I wouldn't be shocked if he makes an impact as a rookie, somewhat unexpected because, yeah, we took Cam Taylor Britt last year and um, you wouldn't be shocked to see a guy make an impact as a second round pick. But Lou... Like his his quote from last year about he doesn't he doesn't cycle through um, defensive backs like your defense your starting defensive backs or your starting defensive backs, um, and you know, the importance of rookies getting confidence and all that stuff. So I don't think DJ Turner is necessarily one that we are already already like penciling in like he will start, but I would not be shocked if for whatever reason if Awuzie is not ready to start the season, he's your starting quarter cornerback uh, or. Uh, you know, should anybody go down with injury, he's going to be first one off the bench. And I think we'll be able to see his impact. And I'm pretty excited about that. And like you said, I did, I did call that one. So I have some, some ties to that as well. Um, this might be one you already sort of mentioned on. Is there a guy that you think you would be putting money on to be okay? Well, I can't really put money on it because it's a, it's an opinion, but most likely to surprise fans as a rookie? Oh, I... It's hard to say because I, I do feel like Charlie's getting a little bit of hype since the draft. Like, people are saying, oh, great pick by the Bengals. Some, some like, outsiders are saying it's their favorite pick that, that Cincinnati made. So it could be a possibility where he gets enough hype that whatever he does won't necessarily surprise Bengals fans. So I might pick battle ah because i i do think that the Bengals love him i think that they were excited to get him where they did um i think there's a lot that's kind of unsettled about the safety position and i can see a scenario in which he becomes a key um contributor at some point or in some game in the defensive backfield. So I'm, I'm excited to see where Lou and company decide he fits in just because he's so instinctual as a player. Um, 
and he's just he strikes me as a guy that's going to make plays when he's on the field. It just it's going to be a matter of is he going to find enough snaps this year? Is it going to be next year? Or what does that look like? Yeah, I was going to go with Jordan Battle too because I think it's picking up some steam um, that he might push for a starting job. I think that I would not be shocked if he was a starter for us to begin the season. And that felt like we talked ourselves into, I, I talked about it a little bit last episode. It felt like after the Nick Scott signing, it was like, well, he's a, he profiles very similar to Von Bell, uh, is not super heralded, high heralded, park heralded, um, like Von Bell was when he came over. But, um, you know, Lou will coach him up and, He's a, he's a direct replacement. And I think we all kind of talked ourselves into like, this is like adequate to have Nick Scott is adequate and maybe it still will be, but to get Jordan battle in round three, who maybe lacks the athletic testing and some of that stuff of those other guys they got that were running like four twos. He was a starter at Alabama in like ridiculous amount of games. I don't remember the exact number, like 40 plus games as a starter or something crazy. He was a captain, uh, well-regarded by coaches and players and things like that. Um, played a lot on special teams as well, so I think he'll be an immediate contributor there. I just think Jordan Battle is going to be a guy that surprises us that maybe sees the the field more than than what we think. And uh, we, I guess we hope that that's replacing Nick Scott and not that like Dax Hill is such a disaster that Jordan Battle has to play there. Right. Because uh, yeah. that would really stink to whiff on our first-round pick from last year. But like, what if Jordan Battle? I think um, I don't want to act like I thought of this myself. I think um, I saw I saw Jay Morrison mentioned it, or maybe it was Paul Daner. Somebody mentioned like the versatility of those guys, and it's like maybe if Dax isn't cut out though for the free safety position, you've got Battle, you've got Scott, and Dax becomes maybe like your Mike Hilton replacement. Um, that he becomes your slot corner, and you've still got like there's still going to be a role for him even if he's not necessarily what you think he would be at safety. Um, but anyways, I, I kind of wanted to get into also quickly to kind of round this thing out, what this draft means, like what we think this means for the Bengals in 2024 and beyond, because you can make the argument that the Murphy maybe was, you know, we talked about, I don't really think it's the Hendrickson replacement because that's like two plus years away. I think it was just best player available at a premier position. So you sign them. Um, but we could see a scenario where Miles Murphy is Trey Hendrickson after the 20 in 2025 or something. Um, we could see a scenario where DJ Turner is starting, if not this season, next season, uh, Jordan battle starting this season, maybe next season. But also we talk about like chase Brown and is he the mix and replacement? What does that mean for Mixon going forward? No offensive linemen drafted in this draft. Uh, what does that mean for the Jonah Williams? He didn't get traded like we thought he would. Um, you got the, Chuck Chuck getting uh, drafted, Chuck Jones, and uh, is he the the Boyd replacement? We're assuming so. Um, what did you take away from this draft to say this is what the Bengals are telling us about how they how they either plan on building their team or what the team might look like in two years? Yeah, I think the biggest thing or the biggest takeaway for me was that the the attempt to resign T is very very serious. Um, and that we're likely looking at Joe Chase and T Higgins being our core on offense. And because of that, uh, it's going to be a keep the defense young and cheap and the supporting cast young and cheap. And that's what we saw. I mean, we saw 
the future replacements for, like you mentioned, Awuzie more than likely, um, for Nick Scott or Dax, depending on kind of how that shakes out, and a Trey Hendrickson or Sam Hubbard replacement, although it hurts to say Sam Hubbard. Um, but... Yeah, I do think it's interesting that like we aren't allowed to talk about Joe Mixon being replaced, but everybody is just pretty openly talking about Tyler Boyd being gone next year and uh, some of these other things. But, uh, you know, I, I thought that that would be interesting, too, because we saw Jesse Bates soured a little bit the last couple of years with Bengals fans a bit um, in that, you know, he was playing on the franchise tag and we weren't going to be able to sign him because he wants too much money, whatever it was. I wonder if, like, I know we're trying to sign T as of recording. That has not happened. Uh, although I thought, it I thought was it was, I thought it was a done deal. Yeah, um, I thought it was a done deal. Um, but maybe he's he might still be on vacation. He's still not in Cincinnati, so um, maybe that's it. But yeah, I mean, we're trying to sign T. I would say, like, even if we don't sign him this year, at at worst, he's got the franchise tag last next year that I think we would use on him anyways. So he's got this season and next at least. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of curious. Like, if T doesn't sign a long term deal, does the fan base begin to turn on him? If at the end of the season we start talking about like, all right, Tyler Boyd, cut him or don't resign him, save this much money, whatever, is the fan base going to uh, support him as fervently as they have supported others on the team? Because there's like this is a very likable team, and I don't want to see any of these guys go like. I don't want to like say bye to Tyler Boyd or think about Hubbard or Hendrickson not being here in a couple of years, but it's just the nature of the beast. Like um, we all liked Uzama too until, <laughs> until it was time for him to leave. And then everyone soured on him. We all loved Hayden Hurst. And we we're like, Oh, well we can't afford him. See you later. Right. Uh, Herb Smith will make some plays this year and then we won't resign him next year. And we'll say, all right, goodbye, Herb Smith. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of the, how the, how things work in the, in the NFL. But I agree. I think the, the Bengals showed us again that they want to continue to be athletic and versatile on defense. They showed us that. Unfortunately, I feel like they also showed us that they're pretty comfortable with their offensive line, which just scares the heck out of me. <laughs> um, and I think like I was talking about this before uh, with you and or Gabe, I can't remember. I almost kind of feel like, like what is the best case scenario for the right tackle position? Because is the best case scenario that Jonah wins the position this year and plays decent? Um because like 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 let's say he's not playing like outstanding, but let's say he plays average at right tackle this year. Do you think the Bengals are re-signing him to a long-term deal to play right tackle after the season? If the answer is no, then you would be paying him his like option that we picked up, like thirteen million or whatever, to to play average right tackle this year. That would mean he beat out Jackson Carmen, which means for a third straight season, Jackson Carmen couldn't win a starting job at three different positions, which tells me the boat has sailed on him ever being a starter in the league. He's just going to be a depth guy. Uh, that would mean Lyle Collins didn't come back healthy. Maybe he gets cut, whatever it may be. What is the best case scenario? Because it seems like no matter what, like if, if Jackson Carmen wins the job, it's like, cool. He's shown he can start, but that means either Jonah Williams was really bad at right tackle. And then you're paying 12 to 13 million for a backup for this season. Cause you're not going to cut him. I don't know what the best case scenario is for right tackle. I mean, best case scenario is that Joe, Joe Burrow gets some protection, but like, who's the guy that's like, that's who you want to win the job. I think I was, I was trying to think it through as you were, as you were talking. I think the best case scenario is that Jonah and Jackson have an absolute battle 
for the starting job over camp and through the summer. Um, ideally, Jonah wins by a hair, probably like, uh, you know, it's experience, et cetera, et cetera. And then at some point during the season, some team is desperate for Jonah. They pony up some sort of trade that we can't refuse. We have Jackson Carmen step in, who was basically neck and neck with Jonah all summer long. Lyle Collins gets healthy later in the year. Now you got a solid one-two there. You get something for Jonah before he walks, and that would be, I think, the ideal scenario. However, unlikely wow. it is. I love that narrative. That's great. Um, if Speak it, it into like existence. I- you should you should write novels because you had me on edge there, um, <laughs> seeing what was gonna transpire in this story. Yeah, I think that'd be ideal too. I guess I just think like I don't know. I'm just like if Jackson Carmen loses a competition for the third straight year, like you just basically burn that second round pick on fire. Like I guess it's like we all want depth along the line, so he can be a good depth piece, I guess. But it's like that's not what you traded up for in the second round a couple years ago to get a depth offensive lineman. Right. So I'd love for him to like win the job and be like dominant at right tackle. But I just don't see that happening. And then that means you've wasted Jonah. But I mean, the thing is also like injuries happen in training camp. Teams needs change. Like there's still a chance we trade Jonah before the season starts. But uh, if Collins is not ready to go to start the season, the depth gets pretty dicey if you get rid of Jonah and you're just starting Carmen and having a Dinagy as a swing or something like that. So um, I will say as I've said all along, the offensive line is still the area that I'm like, that is the biggest weakness. Were you surprised the Bengals did not touch the tight ends? Um, I actually was surprised. Yeah. Every round from like three through six, I was expecting a tight end. And uh, I think especially there's one where I thought Zach Koontz was the guy. Yeah. I can't remember which round it was, maybe four. Man, he went so late. Yeah, he really did, and I or maybe it was five. I can't remember, but whichever one, I was like, okay, here we go with our guy, and uh, they did not go that direction. So I, I think I was a little bit surprised, but also the more that I thought about it, um, I Zach, think Zach Koontz went round seven. He went seven. Yep, pick two twenty to the Jets. That's right. He went to the Jets. So there's a very real chance that the Jets have to cut a tight end and we sign them. Yeah. So maybe it is Zach. I don't I don't know. But I do think we'll sign someone, uh, whether it be Wilcox or um, someone that's maybe not on our radar at the moment because they haven't been cut from their current team. But I, yeah. I I was a little bit surprised to answer your question, but I, I still anticipate them getting uh, one more tight end. I just don't know who it will be. I was surprised, but I was kind of pleased they didn't because um, I've tweeted it. I don't know if I've said it. I can't remember, so apologies if I have. But I really don't mind the Bengals treating the tight end position like fantasy football where you just stream it week to week. Like I don't mind them streaming it year to year because unless you have a Kelsey Kittle, Mark Andrews, or like some of these dudes, like it doesn't really matter who you have. If you have Hayden Hurst, he's going to perform – very similarly to a healthy Irv Smith, who's going to perform very similarly to a healthy David Njoku. Very similar. Like they're all the same. Like once you get past the top four or five elite dudes, tight end six through 22 is largely the same dude. Um, some more athletic than others, but they all have pretty much the same like ability to output certain statistics, especially as like a fourth option in the offense. 
So I'm fine with him just like every year. Like I, I really didn't want them to invest first or second round draft capital really into a tight end. Um, although Laporta in the second was like tempting to me if he was there, which he wasn't anyways. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad they didn't. And I will say like the only thing probably that disappointed me since we've only been saying good things about the Bengals draft, other than not touching any offensive line depth, the only thing that kind of just disappointed me was the double dip at wide receiver. Like that sixth round pick on, um, you know, our Princeton boy. Um, I feel like, yes, sixth round, like you're drafting guys at that point that might not make the team um, and whatnot. And I know offensive line was pretty picked over by that point. Like after we made that pick um, at two, where's his name? At 206, there wasn't another offensive lineman taking the rest of the I think Voorhees round. was the like really the only guy on the board at that point that yeah Voorhees went 229 of course to Baltimore um but I'm just like I would have preferred to just use if you're just gonna swing on a pick like swing on an offensive lineman that all of a sudden becomes really good versus swinging on a athletic but raw wide receiver that is gonna have likely no impact this year and if you re-sign T. Higgins and you've got Chase Higgins and Charlie Jones becomes the Tyler Boyd, at best, he's going to be your wide receiver four, which we know has value, like the Trent Irwin role. Like, if he's better than Trent Irwin, that's great. Uh, but it's just, like, not high priority. And I just would have rather swung on a position that, like, there is no scenario where this dude overtakes any of our top three receivers. Likely not our top four. Likely, potentially not our top five this year. Whereas if you got an offensive lineman in round six or round seven that performs well, I could see two spots being up for grabs. If if you got a left guard that was like outrageously good, I could maybe see them supplanting Cordell Volson. If you got a right tackle that was out, outrageously good, I could see him starting this season because we have an opening there. Um, it's just not happening at wide receiver. So that was a little disappointing for me, but I'll give them benefit of the doubt and, and see what happens. I'm guessing they just... It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but whatever. It's yeah. round six. Um, I, yeah, it just seems like they they very much had the plan in mind of what is the value at each pick because Zach mentioned it several times. Like we had tight ends in mind that we we really liked, but we'd never felt comfortable essentially at our pick taking the ones we liked. Like maybe one that they had for the third round or whatever got picked a few before them, or the fourth round got picked a few before the things like that where they just very much had their value in mind for each of these guys and they weren't going to budge. And I, I do think the receiver, I think back to the chiefs game in the playoffs when Tyler Boyd goes down and um, they really just didn't have anything to threaten the Chiefs' secondary with. They didn't have any speed to threaten them with. And uh, I think that showed, showed itself a couple of times when chase was out and then when Tyler was out and, and T missed a little bit of time as well. But I like the idea of having some some depth that has speed and size. So, yeah, yeah. Like I said, like it's six round. I'm not gonna like go crazy about it. It's whatever. Um, but maybe you know, if I was making the decisions in the room, I made might have made a couple different decisions later in the draft. But we'll see how it plays out. I think like uh, best case scenario, we have um, four impact players as rookies like i think murphy could be an impact turner could be an impact well wait no actually like if you want to go best case scenario i think you could have our first 
I just do you really like are you comfortable saying Charlie Jones is going to be an impact player as a rookie? I mean, it'd have to be on like punt returns or an injury. I think he and has, I'm like, I think he has a solid chance. Um, because like you're saying, if he's returning punts, he's going to be on the field in every game. And so we'll put throw him in there as four. And then Chase Brown, I think, will make an impact because he's going to get touches. And I think we have a punter that if he wins the job is obviously going to have a chance to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Like that's six guys out of this draft that could make varying degrees of impact. Um, it's hard to ask for more. Four of them, three of them that could be starters. Um, Turner could be a starter. Battle could be a starter. I don't think Brown is supplanting Mixon as a starter as long as oh. Mixon's on the team. Murphy, unless there's an injury, isn't a starter probably. But um, I think Murphy's so. sneaky value is going to be making Trey Hendrickson better this year by yeah. allowing him to spend more time off the field. Yeah. Which is exciting to think. Just thinking back to last year, how many snaps Trey was was on the field and how gassed he would be at times, even though he's like the energizer bunny. But just imagine him being unleashed and like good to go in the fourth quarter because because Miles Murphy has given yeah, unfortunately him rest. the only time he got that opportunity was when he was uh, I can't remember what the exact injury was but he was nursing an injury and they the were wrist. like only bringing him in yeah they were only bringing him in on like obvious pass rushing situations. Uh, but other than that, he would always be on the field for all three downs throughout the entire drive, pretty much. Um, and when he wasn't, it was felt because we got no pressure on the quarterback. Um, well, Jake, I'll be honest. I don't know when the next pot is. Um, hey, they, the schedule release is supposed to be coming up. Like, I was about to say, I think we got a half or more something. news next week, end of next week. So that, that sounds that like a winner to me. Was it like May 11th? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was that is end of next week, isn't it? That would be next, like Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That might be the next pod. We'll see. Unless some more breaking news happens, you know, maybe we Unless sign some more breaking news. Well, that I think that might be after camp. I was gonna say maybe we sign a tight end, but I think it's gonna be a little time before that happens. Right. Right. Um. How would you give your? I'm I'm not big on letter grades, but what would be your letter grade for this draft? It's hard for me not to say A after we just had a conversation of how many of these guys could potentially make an impact on this year and the numbers in the five, six range. I think that's really solid. So obviously, uh, well, maybe I'll give ourselves some some wiggle room. I'll say B plus. And then if Miles Murphy Mm -hmm. becomes what we hope he potentially could be with his freakish attributes, then that you bump that up to an A. Um, but yeah, yeah I think it I, was, I was just going B as solid as, as well. solid can be. Yeah. I think like if they would have gotten, um, offensive line depth and not double dipped at receiver with that six round pick, like maybe that would be enough for me to be like, like maybe a few changes here and there. I would have been like, okay, definite a, yeah. but, um, B plus for now. And, but we have to feel like pretty good about that B plus because that's like, um, it's an 89 B plus, you know, mm-hmm. we're one point away from an A um, because we have the potential for so many impact guys to, yeah. to play out. Um, and the one thing you can't do just, with this window is have a swing and miss draft, like a B B plus just solid draft is, is perfect. I mean, if you I don't want to jinx it, but it's hard for me to see this draft being a whiff. Like, right. We got so many guys that like, at least two of them are going to be like, let's say for some reason, Murphy just isn't what we think. It's like the, like it just feels like the likelihood of Murphy, DJ Turner, Jordan battle, 
the punter and Chuck all not being decent even or startable seems just so unlikely. It's like at least a couple of those guys are going to be startable players. Um, right. Maybe they don't all reach their full potential and whatnot, but I just can't imagine that we have a scenario where it's like we have five busts out of this class, but knock on wood, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, do you want to, I'll let you exit us. You're like really good at the um, <laughs> super, the super emphatic who day. I, I like uh, busting in the who day when no one's <laughs> in, anticipating. Although I think at this point, if people have listened, Expect they, the unexpected. They're, they're expecting me to, to pop in there at some point. So uh, Kyle Lowry also finished with six points. So. Brutal. Bad beat. Bad beat. I, I also, I put that in at 728. The game started at 730 because I didn't know Butler was going to be out. And I saw a tweet said Butler was out. And I was like, oh, someone's got to score points. And mm. so I was going through like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. And I'm like, ah, I'm not comfortable taking this. I'll take the guy that's got playoff experience. Even though he's coming off the bench, like someone's got to score for him. And I took Kyle Lowry and never again. Sounds never like again. the Knicks thought the same thing. I said, well, we'll just lock down Kyle Lowry. And then it'll we'll be, lock down it'll Kyle be Lowry. curtains on the that's heat. That's the key. All right, man. Well, thanks for jumping on. Uh, tell your tell your wife thanks for allowing you uh, the time to do this. Of course, um, of course. If you heard a jingle at all, that's the puppy's uh, collar. Yeah, just she's got around. she's got to she's got to remove the jewelry before the next episode. No, it's we're gonna get her a big uh, chosen one necklace <laughs> like Jamar. Get her some ice. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, that rhymes. All right. Until <laughs> next time, Bengals fans. Who did? Who did?